All right, welcome to Steeler Country. I am Tony Serino. Today on the show, we're doing our season expectations. What do we think for this season? How, how are uh, us Steeler fans feeling about the 2022 Pittsburgh Steelers? So I, as the season starts, the season starts tonight. I mean, I'm recording this on Thursday night, uh, probably three hours before the games, the, the Bills and Rams kick off the season tonight. But the Steelers season obviously starts on Sunday. Uh, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about what are the expectations for this Pittsburgh Steeler team in 2022. Actually, before we before I say that, I do want to know your thoughts. So leave your thoughts in, in chat here if you're watching live. If you're watching this after the fact, you can leave a comment here on the channel. And also, if you'd rather see this, uh, if you're listening to this in audio format and you'd rather have this as a live show, uh, you can check me out here on YouTube, Steeler Country with Tony Serino, doing this live weeknights around 5.30 Eastern time. All right, so let's get into it. Expectations for the 2022 season for the Steelers. You know, the fun part about this season for me and why I'm so excited about the Steelers in 2022, I don't really have expectations for this team this year. You know, quite honestly, what what are the expectations for them? That if you listen to the national media, right, if you, if you listen to the national media talk about the Steelers this year, I mean, they're a fourth-place team, right? I mean, Vegas has them at seven and a half wins. That's the lowest win total of anyone in the AFC North. Are they expected to make the playoffs? No. I think you know, Mike Florio may be the only guy out there I've seen who hasn't seen anywhere close to sniffing the playoffs, quite honestly. You know, this is supposed to be a bottoming out period. If, if you listen to my other show that I do here on, on YouTube, AFC North Talk, uh, you know, I think everyone's been waiting for this. Uh, the rest of the division has been waiting for this moment, right? This is the moment when Ben Roethlisberger retires. The Steelers are past their Hall of Fame quarterback. And now, you know, as my co-host loved to tell me on that show, you get to see how the other half lives. Right, we Steeler fans are a bit, we're a bit spoiled. Right, I mean, look, you know, twenty years, what, eighteen years without a losing season, the third longest streak in NFL history. We are a little bit spoiled, sure, certainly, certainly. But I didn't think I would be this excited about a Steeler team in a post Ben Roethlisberger era. But and, and I think some of that does come from the fact that there, you know, there there isn't the weight of expectation on this football team. I'm not sitting here at the beginning of September. Dreaming about games in in that are going to be played in January and February because that's really what this team because it would, in in the in the you know back in in the Ben Roethlisberger era during the peak there and that's what it was about right week one was cute but at the end of the day it was about accumulating wins because that team was really expected to be a playoff contender in January and, and into February this Steeler team I mean I'm hyped about Sunday I'm ready I'm ready to watch the Steeler team shock the world because re really you know when you consider where they are in the division. The, the Bengals were in the Super Bowl a year ago, and the Ravens feel like, hey, they were they were on their way to a division title before Lamar got hurt last year, and they have all these these expectations, right? The weight of expectation for everyone around the Steelers, and then here come the little old Steelers now, the most winning franchise in NFL history. And it's like, oh, you know, no one no one considers. I I love I love the fact that the Steelers are so under the radar this year. You know, you know, and they should be. I, I'm not I'm, I'm not trying to say that you know. I'm not trying to play like the underdog of, you know, why is no one talking about the Steelers? I get it. It's a post-Ben Roethlisberger era. But as we've seen, I think I think another thing about you know, the excitement and the lack of expectation comes from the fact that 2019, if, if 2019 and 2020 and 2021 taught us anything as Steeler fans, it's that when you start counting this team out, that's really when they're at their best. You know, the 2019 season, how many of us counted out that team when Ben Roethlisberger went down? Ben Roethlisberger goes down in week two. That team is already 0-2. I think a lot of us Steelers fans just said, all right, well, write this season off. There is no chance this team is going to be even remotely competitive for the rest of the season. 
and we're done. And same thing with last year. That you look at that team a year ago, they were what, one and three to start the year? And how many of us Steeler fans said a year ago, all right, yep, now Ben's Ben's a little bit washed, and uh, this is just not going to be a fun end of the season. And in both cases, those teams kind of bounced back and were, were competitive down the stretch. Last year's team obviously did make the playoffs. Uh, the, the 2019 team came, what, a half game or a game out of making the playoffs that year? Yeah, I love I love the idea that let's enter a season where people are just immediately counting the Steelers out. Yes, that is what I want my Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and again, you know, it, it goes back to this idea of Mike Tomlin. And, and this Mike Tomlin has shown over the past three seasons that, that you know, he can turn what, what should be a lost cause, what should be a bad football team, into a winner. Last year's team, I've said I said this so many times last year. Last year's team wasn't good. I I I didn't the, the play on the field did not was not indicative of the record. Or I should say the record was not indicative of the play on the field. The record was nine, seven, and one. The play on the field was far less. And so I think we all look at this team. We all as fans look at this team and say, look, they probably they, they upgraded a lot of different areas. You know, they might have even upgraded at quarterback. When you consider that Ben last year had all the limitations that he had, but we'll get to that in a second. I think we do, we do as fans have one expectation, right? We we have one expectation as fans for this 2022 season, and that is that on the defensive side of the ball, this should be a top five unit. Right? This, this should be a top five unit defensively. They've invested so heavily here. You know, we, we talk about the big contracts they just gave out to TJ and Minka over the past two seasons, but this is where really a lot of the draft capital had gone prior to the last two seasons. This is where all the star talent is. When we talk about the kind of blue chip players that you need to build a Super Bowl roster, those kind of top guys at their position, those are all on the defensive side for the Steelers. And you look at a team last year, you know, people people outside of us fans, right? When I, when I talk about this kind of top five defense thing on AFC North Talk, I get a lot of side eye from the coast. We're like, really, you think, this defense, you think they're going right back to top five? But I think consider it this way. I think the reason why we want this, we, we think this can be a top five defense again is that they were back in 2020 and 2019, right? This is, you know, the, the 2021 road bump was just that, right? A road bump in between what was a top five defense for two years running. And when you look back at last season and why this defense fell off, and they fell off pretty far. I mean, they were, they let's, let's call them a top three defense in 2019 and 2020. I mean, they didn't just fall from being a top three to top five or top 10. I mean, they were probably like a top 15-ish defense a year ago when you consider how poor they were, especially in the running game. But there's clear reasons for why that happened. I mean, it didn't just happen randomly, right? This wasn't just kind of weird variance because, hey, you can't count on defense on a year-to-year basis. I mean, this was legitimate, tangible losses of personnel that led to this team falling off. You think about losing, obviously, Stephon Tuitt did not play a single down last year, as disruptive as he was on the interior of that defensive line and putting him alongside Cam Hayward and what that represented on a game-to-game basis for those opposing offensive lines and not having him and by and, and not having him you know kind of late in the process too right? I mean this was a situation where they kept talking about throughout camp and I ah, might come back he maybe you know maybe maybe he does maybe he does and he never did you know you you think about the loss of Bud Dupree a year ago now the Stewards had planned for that one with the with the drafting of Alex Highsmith but regardless I mean you know De- Bud Dupree was a borderline 10 sack a year type player and he was a perfect complement on the edge to what TJ Watt represented on the other side you know, Bud had finally learned to, to go speed to power. And they replaced that with a second-year player in, in Alex Highsmith. You think about the loss of Mike Hilton at the slot position. 
I mean, Mike Hilton, probably the best slot corner in the game. And they replaced that with what? You know, Arthur Mollette pushing Cam Sutton to the inside. And then they, and then, you know, we're talking about corner. They lost, you're going into last season, they lost Steven Nelson. Steven Nelson was a very underrated player here in Pittsburgh. I mean, I know not, a lot of student fans didn't love him as a corner. But boy, you know, when you consider some of the problems they had, especially early on last season, you know, you're talking about, you know, my boy James Pierre. Wouldn't you rather had Steven Nelson in those cases? And I think the other problem with, with last year is not only did they lose all those guys, and, and oh, the other one we should talk about, not not talked about enough, especially when we talk about the, the, the diminished run defense a year ago. The loss of Vince Williams, I think, loomed large over last season. That was another late retirement. He retired like right at the start of training camp. I think he, you know, he knew he was probably going to end up, end up in a position battle and potentially a rotation type type place, and he didn't want to be there. And so he retired right before the start of training camp. That's huge. That was huge for that run defense. You think about all those losses that that, def that defense had, but where where could they make acquisitions? I mean, they really didn't. Right? They, they traded for Joe Schobert late in the process. But, you know, at, at corner, they didn't really make any big acquisitions. They got to kill a Witherspoon, who ended up being a nice asset for them later on. But at the end of the day, it was just kind of, okay, we lost all these pieces. And now, you know, guys at the bottom of the depth chart, just, you just slot up a, a, a set. And that's really how the Steelers attacked it defensively. So it made a lot of sense that when you lose all this talent defensively, yeah, that's going to hurt you a little bit. And it did. But I think when you look at this season, Okay, they've addressed a lot of these things. I mean, you look at the additions of the uh, on this defense. They add Levi Wallace, who's essentially going to be the third corner. We talked about him already. He's going to be, you know, we, we talk about the, the nickel sets, those sub-package football. When an extra DB is coming on the field, that extra DB will be Levi Wallace. Cam Sutton, who will play outside corner in those base sets, will kick inside to the, to the slot, and Levi Wallace will be your outside corner. Levi Wallace, by the way, is going to be, a kind of sub-package player for the Steelers where he had been a five-year starter previously with the Buffalo Bills. A Buffalo Bill defense, by the way, the Buffalo Bill secondary a year ago, that was one of the best in the National Football League. And Levi Wallace comes in now to be this kind of third corner on the Steelers. Larry Ogunjobi comes in to that to that uh, to the defensive line in what what you know would have been Stefan Tuitt's role if he had elected to come back. Ogunjobi, I think, was a huge signing late in the process. Uh, because he really does, I think, solidify maybe not the run defense, and 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 we'll see how he does it from a run defense perspective. But boy, from a from a pass rushing perspective, you talk about this this team's ability to get pressure with only four players. I, you know, Larry Ogunjobi, alongside Cam Hayward, alongside T.J. Watt, alongside Alex Highsmith, that's a formidable force for, uh, foursome there that can get pressure without having to do the kind of exotic blitzes that that previous defensive coordinator Keith Butler loved to do so much. In a world where, you know, it is it is so advantageous to be able to rush just four players and get pressure, that's a great unit. Now, again, the run defense, it, it, it remains to be seen as far as Ogunjobi's um, abilities there. But I think as a, as a pass rusher, he's going to be far better than what the Steelers were, were trotting out there last year with guys like Chris Wormley. And then, of course, at the linebacker spot, I've talked about this all offseason. If you listen to any other show I've done here on the channel, you've heard me talk about Miles Jack and what he represented at the linebacker spot. Because this is like a, I mean, this is like a savior situation for the Steelers. This was a glaring, glaring hole for the Steelers a year ago. And this year, they have a they have a player in Miles Jack who is who at one point in his career was a was a star. I mean, this was maybe not a blue chip player, but like, you know, what's the other red chip player? You know what I mean? Like, 
Okay, he wasn't a top guy at his position, but boy, he was close and getting there. And and the Steelers don't need him to be a true blue chip player at that linebacker position. If he can end up being at the end of the day the fourth best player on this Steeler defense, that's perfectly fine. They don't need him to rise to the level of a Minka or a Cam or a TJ. That would be great if he did. But at the end of the day, they just they needed to solidify that position. I think they have with a guy like Miles Jack. And there's a couple other guys that are kind of added to this defense. They aren't really they aren't real additions, but they kind of are when you look at the snap counts, right? First of all, let's talk about Tyson Alalu. Tyson Alalu comes in after having sat out all of 2021 with an injury. He left it. He left in what week two? He was hurt. And you you go back and look at the run defense splits. This started, by the way, back in 2020. Look at the splits before and after in 2020. That run defense, when when Akilah or uh, when um, when Alu Alu had that knee injury before and after, it is night and day, and it has been night and day. Really, this run defense has been night and day since before and after Tyson Alu Alu uh, uh, got out of the lineup. And yeah, you know, last year obviously it fell off a cliff, not just because of Alu Alu. There were other aspects there, but yeah, Alu Alu is a huge part of that. And so the more the Sewers can keep Alawalu on the field, and he's 35 years old, so I don't know about playing time, but you know, I think he is going to be a big asset, especially in those base downs. You know, where where it was so easy to to uh, to run up the middle on this team a year ago, I think the teams are going to want to try and test the edge. Now, again, it wasn't like you know the Sewers were greater on the edge last year anyway, but regardless, I think I think Alawalu is a huge asset to this team in the middle of that defense if he can stay healthy. And the other guy that I know Steeler fans are talking about, but maybe we we're not hearing enough about. From the from the kind of national media or, or from the outside looking in, I, I think there's there's the Steelers found someone here in Akilah Witherspoon. I think Akilah Witherspoon is being the kind of CB one type on this team. He's the only he's the only corner the Steelers really have with that size speed that you'd want out of a CB one type. But the splits he had last year, you look at the numbers he put up there last year. I mean, we're talking about one of the best corners, one of the best corner performances over a six game span that we saw in the National Football League, bar anyone. Bar anyone. I mean, his numbers last year were of the shutdown variety. Now, I don't know that he's going to be a, sh- a true shutdown corner for this team, but the Steelers don't necessarily need him to be that. There'll be some times this Sunday where they would certainly like him to be a kind of island corner where they can just say, hey, we need you to shut down this side of the field so we can roll coverage the other way. Certainly that would be advantageous, but I don't think that's a requirement for this defense to get back to being a top five defense. They just need to kill a Witherspoon to be a solid player alongside Cam on the other side. And then, of course, Levi, when he comes in, it was a, it was a real problem for the team a year ago. They didn't have, you know, two solid outside corners that they could use, especially in those nickel and dime sets. And so you look at that, you look at the, the, those five additions there that we just talked about, right? Le- Levi Wallace at the cornerback position, Larry Ogunjobi on that defensive line, Miles Jack at the inside linebacker spot, Akilah Witherspoon at corner, and Tyson Alwalu on that defensive line. And again, we're talking about addressing all the big problems that this team had a year ago. That defensive line last year, you know, was 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 stopping nobody, especially in the running game. And then that linebacking core, you know, everybody's everybody's already talked about Devin Bush and, and how poor his play was a year ago. But even Joe Schobert, I mean, again, the problem for the Steelers were a year ago is that they wanted to have the kind of playmaker type be a, a Devin Bush and Schobert kind of, you know, clean up here and there and be a better in, in, in pass defense. But, you know, it was a kind of trickle-down effect of the D-line's not any good. You don't really have a guy who's going to be shedding and, and making uh, making plays in the backfield. That's not who Joe Schobert 
is going to be as a football player, and neither is Devin Bush. You know, and so it kind of just trickled down from there, where it's like, you know, Minka's got to come up and make the majority of tackles on plays. This year, you solidify the defensive line with Ogunjobi and Alualu. And then you have, I don't know that they solidify the linebacking core necessarily because you still have a liability potentially in Devin Bush, but at least you have a guy in Miles Jack who you can trust is not just going to be a, a solid player. I think he's going to be in some ways a, a playmaking type in that I trust his ability to, to get, uh, to keep guards off of him, to shed and get into the backfield and make some plays uh, and make some plays. There something the Seahawks just did not have whatsoever at that position. And then at corner, look, I, you know, it is it is always funny to me when I hear people talk about the Steeler defense that they talk about the corner room as it is this as if it's this massive weakness for this team compared to where it was a year ago. And I just have to sit and laugh. This was look, the defense last year fell off. The majority of that fall off, though, was in the run defense. From a pass defense perspective, maybe they weren't elite, but they certainly weren't bad. I believe they were a top 10 pass defense. If you look at football outsiders and their and their DVOA, and I think if you look at EPA for just a raw EPA per play. I believe they were a top 10 pass defense as well. And so you're talking about upgrading that unit. I mean, I, I don't think anyone's going to sit here and say that adding Levi Wallace and adding a killer Witherspoon or making a killer Witherspoon, a, a starting player on this defense. I don't think anyone's going to sit here and say that that's a downgrade from where the Steelers were, even though yes, they did lose Joe Hayden. I don't think it's a downgrade whatsoever. I, I'm I, as I said, all camp long, I am very excited for what this defense could be. Certainly, everything I saw at camp leads me to believe this defense is going to be far better than it was a season ago. Certainly, it'll be as disruptive as ever in it from a pass rushing perspective. I mean, T.J. Watt, you know, again, I'll go back to my favorite thing that happened at camp. T.J. Watt was so good at training camp that a reporter actually asked Mike Tomlin in a press conference during training camp, do you have to tell T.J. to back it off a little bit so that this offense can actually run some plays? Think about how absurd that is. Do you have to tell TJ Watt to back it off so that the offense can actually do something? That's how disruptive TJ was. I mean, he, I think he's going to pick up right where he left off a year ago. You know, the only question mark for me from a pass rushing perspective, quite honestly, is Alex Highsmith. And the reason why I have, I don't, I don't want to say low expectations for Alex Highsmith, but, but I certainly, it's a question mark for me, is because one of the big storylines at the beginning of camp was how good Dan Moore looked. You know, how look look at how it was it was something that that I said it was written it was written and said in other places as well and now we know okay Dan Moore certainly did not improve year over year I mean if if preseason is any indication Dan Moore maybe wasn't exactly having a great camp maybe he just wasn't going up against you know <laughs> that great of opponent in practice now okay Highsmith got hurt, and the majority of the time he was going up against guys like Hamilcar and, and Tuska and Delonte Scott and guys who didn't end up making the roster. But there was that time where, where Highsmith was healthy. And Highsmith was not was not out there dominating uh, Dan Moore on a play-to-play -play basis. And that does worry me a little bit. I thought this was a year, you know, Highsmith didn't have a bad year last year, but he certainly didn't have the breakout year that a lot of us expected him to. You know, this is a guy with a great get-off. Everyone saw that, how quick he was off the ball. He's your classic speed rusher. Everyone saw that from him back in 2020 when he was kind of the third guy, you know, the first off the bench at that edge rush spot. And I think last year, you know, a lot of it was, hey, look, he's going to be in so many advantageous positions. You're talking about the defensive line. He's playing alongside TJ. He's, gonna, he's never going to get double teamed. 
And he didn't have a bad year. I think he ends the year with like six, six and a half sacks, something like that, and, and 30, 38 pressure, something like that. And it certainly wasn't a bad year for Alex Highsmith. But it wasn't the year we all expected. And I think this year, you know, every student friend is kind of going in like, all right, you know, we've seen we've seen from Highsmith what he could be, right? We've seen the, the potential that he has. If he can put it all together. I guess, you know, for me, I'm, I'm kind of reevaluating now based on what I based on the limited sample set I saw in camp and, and kind of, you know, you, you almost have to kind of um, extrapolate out his performance against Dan Moore versus other players we've seen against Dan Moore and say, oh, well, you know, it's a one. It's the one. Like I said, I'm not trying to be super negative here about Alex, but it's a small sample size. It's just a question mark I have on this defense. But otherwise, I look around. I've been really impressed with what I've seen from Trell Edmonds. And I know he's, a, he's what, a fifth, six-year player. You know, it really doesn't matter what he's doing in August at this point. You know, it really matters what he's doing on game days. But, you know, when I look around this defense, where do I really have the big questions? And the big questions are going to come, like, in a, you know, in a, in a game like Sunday. You know, is this secondary, is this team built to beat a team as loaded as the Cincinnati Bengals are? At the, at the wide receiver position, right? Does this corner room have enough talent in it to shut that down? Well, no, obviously not. But who does? <laughs> you know, who who exactly amongst us has a corner room that can do that? Obviously, the way to beat Joe Burrow, as we've seen in, in you know, over time is get pressure. You know, it, yeah, there are three good receivers out there. But if you don't have time to see him, you're fine. <laughs> You'll be okay. So I, I, I think the one expectation I have about this team in 22 is that I think this defense is going to go back to being top five. And then the question, you know, the question comes down to what is this offense? But again, you know, the reason why I can't get super upset about this, right. And, and if this offense isn't markedly better than it was a year ago, it's post Ben, it's supposed to be bad, right? Again, we're supposed, we're supposed to as Steeler fans be in this kind of, woe is me. Oh no, we're in search for a quarterback and everything's going to suck. And you know, we're going to be a losing team. We're going to finish fourth in the division. Again, I just don't feel that way. I don't feel that way about this team. I'm look, am I am I thrilled to watch this offense on Sunday? Am I super excited about what you know what could happen? I mean, I'm not I'm not super thrilled because I've seen this offensive line last year and I've seen what they represented in in, in preseason play. But even as I said after that Lions game, you know, the thing I keep coming back to about this offensive line is like, are we sure it's gonna be all bad? I know, I know that that is the narrative right now because of how bad it was a year ago. But really. If you if you if you just ignore the fact, let's ignore for the fact that like Dan Moore is a super liability on the left side. I and then that that you can't take that away. I'm not again. I understand like yeah, they have a real problem at left tackle. I, we can't ignore that. But but for the sake of this argument, let's ignore that for a second. Like where else on this line do you really feel badly? Where it's like yo, this is it's a, it's horrendous. Because prior to right prior to the to the first depth chart coming out and seeing that Dotson's going to start, we would have all said well Kendrick Green. Kendrick Green's horrific. Kendrick Green can't play. Yeah, I agree. But he's not going to start. So we're in a situation where Kendrick Green, you know, as long as Dotson stays healthy, and I know that's another asterisk we got to put out there, but like Dotson's starting at left guard. I, I don't know that Mason Cole's done anything in preseason to make you, you know, to make you think like, oh my goodness, this guy can't play. I mean, again, not going to be a star at the position, but are, are what is the expectation for this offensive line? Are, are we expecting them to be a top 10 unit? Because, yeah, okay, no, they're not going to be a top 10 unit. You, you know, Mason Cole's not going to be a top 10 center. Agreed. But I don't think that's my expectation. Or, you know, what, I, what I'm what i hoping for, even not even an expectation, my biggest hope for this team is that they can go from what they were last year, probably one of the worst offensive lines in the league last year, right? I would hope 
that that unit could go from being one of the worst to closer to middle of the pack, right? If you want to call them 30th a year ago, the hope would be that you can at least get that up to 20 this year. Now, let's keep going through here because James Daniels was a big problem in preseason games number one and two. I agree. But that tape he put out there against the Lions was very impressive. You know, and, and here's a veteran player who's put good tape out there. All right, so am I going to buy this kind of two-game sample size of, oh, he went to Pittsburgh and all of a sudden he forgot how to play football? Or is it, hey, you know, communication issues? You know, he's got to figure out what the coach staff wants from him, and he's starting to put that together, right? Was that was that an arrow-pointing-up type situation? And then, and then you know, Chooks on the right side, I know he's hurt right now. We'll talk about the preview and everything and, and this, this Sunday's game. But I'm talking about Chooks not just for Sunday, but in the long term. Uh, we know what Chooks is. Chooks is just a guy. Chooks is fine. You know, no one, no one loves Chooks, but you're not out there, you know, you're not out there like, oh, Chooks can't play. We got to bench Chooks. He's never been, he's not that guy. He's never been that guy. He's fine in pass protection. And in, and yes, on running plays, he's going to annoy you because he's not, he's, he's not the mauler. He's not aggressive. You know, there are going to be times where he's like, are you just standing out there? Are you going to block somebody in, run, in the run game? And yes, that is going to happen from time to time. But again, so we're on this offensive line, other than Dan Moore, are we really feeling like this thing's going to be a disaster? Because I, I I actually have had this thought since that Lions game of, you know, it, it, I'm left left tackles hard, I left tackles hard, but this offensive line could actually surprise some people. I wouldn't be surprised this year if we're not just watching Najee get hit in the backfield, you know, by one or two yards every single play and having to fight for his life just to get the two or three that he's capable of. I'm not going to be necessarily shocked if this, especially the right side of the offensive line, is a little bit better than what our expectations are today where we've just watched a preseason of, yeah, poor offensive line play, but it was really isolated to a couple guys at a couple spots. I don't know what they're going to do with Dan Moore and how they're going to figure that out. I mean, again, you know, it's a, it's a massive problem, and it's going to be a huge problem on Sunday, as we'll talk about tomorrow. But, that, but again, going back to the offensive line, I, again, I'm, I'm probably too optimistic here, but I've, I, I, I certainly have some optimism about that offensive line and what certainly what that right side of the line can be, but then, but then around the rest of the, you know, talking about the rest of the offense in general, you know, the, the fun part about this season for me offensively is that we get to see who the blue chippers are, right? How many of these guys, look, everybody knows the Steelers right now are not hurting for talent at this, at the skill positions, you know, you got Deontay, you got Pickens, you got Claypool now moving into the slot, Pat Fryer at that tight end, Najee Harris at running back. I think the fun part about this season is can any of those players elevate their game to a true blue chip level? Meaning that can they become thought of as a kind of Minka, TJ, Cam Hayward level player? The talent I think is there for some of these guys. Najee Harris, certainly. I've always said Deontay could be one of the best, one of the best quarterbacks, or sorry, one of the best wide receivers in the league if he had a quarterback that could get him the ball in more advantageous positions and not necessarily just kind of a you know, catch and run. Although I think Canada is going to want to do a lot more of that this season. Frymouth, the same thing. I mean, Frymouth could be, again, I'm not saying top five type players, but you know, you know what I'm saying? Like a, a, a top-ish guy at his spot, a player that you can certainly feel like you're going to build around at the position. George Pickens, I think is that guy right now at the wide receiver position as well. I think that's the fun part about this offense is trying to figure out how many of these guys right now can be a blue chip player in the future for this team. Because, look, this offense isn't going to be top 10 or top, you know, what it's not going to be that this year. But, again, once it, you know, much like I talked about the offensive line, you know, if, if we consider them, let's say, 25th 
best offense in the league last year, somewhere around there probably. Well, can they get that up to top 20? Can they get up to top 15? Because if they can, by the way, if they do those two things, okay, top five defense, top 15 offense, uh, that's that's borderlining on, you know, sneaking into the playoffs again and doing the, you know, the same old, same old with this, with a Mike Tomlin-led team, right? Which is you bury them and then they just, they prove you wrong week in and week out until, oh, by the way, they happen to sneak themselves into the playoffs. And that's the fun part about this. Again, you know, I think we all know as Steelers fans, like, yeah, it's supposed to suck. It's supposed to suck when Ben when Ben retires. It's supposed to suck to go through, you know, finding your next quarterback. But here's the thing. Here's the other part, the part I haven't talked about yet, which is quarterback. Because the, the other fun part about being a Steelers fan right now is that even if the worst-case scenario happens at quarterback, and Mitch is an absolute disaster, if Mitch goes out there and goes right back to like the worst we saw him in in Chicago, can't read a defense, throwing interceptions, silly plays, all of that. Kenny time, Kenny time. That's what. And again, that's why I just you know, it's like no matter how bad it gets, no, no. Well, I shouldn't say no matter how bad it gets because I guess it it could get it's, it could always get worse. But like even the even the parts of this team where you really worry, you know, you really worry about, especially with Mitch. Boy, if Mitch is bad. And that can you could we can all certainly imagine that happening because you know we've seen it in Chicago. Mitch certainly uh, there's a reason why he didn't make it there as a starting quarterback. There's a, re- there's a reason why he was a backup a year ago. But even in that case, even in that case, the Steelers have Kenny Pickett waiting in the wings, and I think we're all excited to see if he can continue what he did in the preseason and do that in a regular season game. Obviously, there's going to be a lot more asked of him in a regular season game. You know, I don't think he ran against a lot of disguised coverages in. Uh, in the preseason. That's why everything looks so easy for him. You know, obviously when we get to the regular season, defense is no young quarterback. Let's confuse this kid. And so, you know, but who amongst us isn't excited to see that as well. So, you know, generally speaking, look, I, I'm, I'm excited about this team overall expectation wise, you know, as far as a record, if you're in my AFC North talk, you know, my, my record prediction for this dealer team is seven and 10. Um, I, I, again, I think that's kind of, you know, me middling, you know, if you, if you know my, my gambling background, um, you know, take kind of what is the, what is the, the highest possibility, what is the lowest possibility and take somewhere in the middle. Right. And then that's kind of like your, you know, where you want to gamble. I think the Steelers probably are, are somewhere around a seven win team. Now, again, does that mean I think there will be non-competitive just because you're a losing team doesn't mean you're non-competitive, right? Just, just the same way as being a winning team, which is what the Steelers were last year. doesn't mean you're a good team. I wouldn't say that the Steelers, as a nine-win football team last year, were a good football team. They played ugly football. They happened to win games late. You look at this team this year, at 7-10, and 10, I'm not saying this team's going to be bad. I think they're going to be just as competitive. The, the thing I worry about with this team in general is you think about Trubisky, you think about whether it's Trubisky or Pickett. You know, you, the thing about Ben last year was, okay, yes, you know, we talk about the arm and whether that was gone and his, his mobility and, you know, was he washed and all that, yada, yada, right? I mean, like, yes, there were a lot of limitations that Ben Roethlisberger had a year ago. But the limitation he did not have is that when it was money time, when it was time to, you know, put up or shut up, when it's when it's go time, Ben Roethlisberger showed up in those games. You know, pretty much every time. I mean, you even look at the games where this team was getting blown out. You know, you talk about those Chargers, that Chargers game, that Vikings game. He played well down the stretch in, in leading those teams to potential comeback victories in those games. And, and that's, and then we're not even talking about the performances that he had 
you know, against Cleveland, against Baltimore, late in those games when this team needed points late to drive them down the field to secure victory. That's what he was great at. That That is vintage Ben Roethlisberger. That's what we saw from, from the moment he stepped out on the field. And that's how he kind of left the game was, okay, as far as everything else, you know, it's still like first and second down, he wasn't great. But third down, Ben showed up. And that's the worry for me about this Steeler team is I still think they're going to have to play ugly football, right? If you're, if you are a defense minded team, if you're a, a team led by having a great defense, well, then you're probably going to play a lot of ugly football, unless you have a great offense to go alongside of it, in which case you're going to be one of the best teams in football, right? But when you don't have that, you're going to win by playing ugly. If this team's going to play ugly, well, you know, ugly football involves this team at the end of games being able to win late. And the question is going to end up being whether it's Mitch or Kenny, and it's going to be Mitch to start. Are you that guy late in football games? Do I trust you minute to go, two minutes to go? You're down by three. Game is tied. Can you go down there and, and win a football game? And the other, the other thing is, and Ben did this so well last year, because this is, this is the Buffalo game a year ago. You know, this, this, this one year ago today, Ben didn't get enough credit in that football game for securing victory late by running that clock out, by converting and keeping drives alive late in that football game to run clock. Not enough given, not enough credit given to him and that offense a year ago in their ability to do that. And that, again, do we trust Mitch Trubisky right now to be that guy? If I'm projecting forward it, for based on what I've seen already from him in Chicago, I, again, I don't know that he has that gene. I don't know that he has that kind of the gamer, whatever you want to call it, right? The it factor in those moments. Ben always had that. It's what makes him a Hall of Famer. Even when the re- even when the rest of his game was diminished, that part of his game always was top. And it's, it's the one worry I have about this team. And it's why I think this team could be 7-10 and 10 this year. Not necessarily less competitive. I mean, I, again, I'm not going to say this team's getting blown out on a week-to-week basis. Certainly not. It's just a question of those cl- how many of those close games a year ago were W's because this team had Ben Roethlisberger and they turn into L's this year because they don't have Ben Roethlisberger. So... That's kind of where I land on this team. But love to hear your thoughts on where you think the Steeler team is going to land in, in 2022. Let me know your thoughts in chat uh, in the con- or in the comments below this video. Let's uh, let's go to uh, let's go to the chat here real quick. We'll do a little Q and A for uh, for today. George here says defensive line and Jack definitely have to stop the run, and I know they'll pressure the quarterbacks. I mean, look, fixing the run defense. Has been top of mind for for Mike Tomlin really since this whole you know since training camp started. I mean, it has been it's it's everything. I mean, it, it really has been. Uh, it's why I think, and you go back to that preseason game, the third one. You know why did why did Tomlin play that defense for so long in that game? You know, we, we everyone was like you know hemming and hawing. Oh, TJ got hurt, and this guy you know Deontay's hurt. And why are they playing the starters so much? Offensively, it made sense why the why the starters were playing so much. You know. There was a quarterback battle, but also, you know, again, that you just want that offense to kind of get the, their their timing down, play together, right? The more reps for that for that unit, a unit that hasn't played together with Trubisky, the better. Defensively, I think a lot of fans were saying, "Hey, why is this defense playing together when, you know, all the big pieces are the same?" So what are we doing? And I think in Tomlin's mind, though, it was about it was about fixing that run defense. He wanted them to go out there and you know we we are going to shut down this run. The third and 17, I think, bothers everybody. And it's it's what kind of sticks in the back of everyone's mind. Of like, hmm, I like a lot of the talent that they added. What happened there? But it's one play. It's one play. 
Uh, State of the Steelers here says Highsmith had less sacks than Wormley last year. You know, okay. I mean, yes, that's true. But don't, didn't they have the same number of pressures? I know I'm going to be the pressure guy here. I'm a pressure guy on AFC North Talk. I'll be a pressure guy. Oh, it's my brand. Um, he did have less sacks than Wormley, although a lot of those Wormley sacks were clean up. You know, there's a reason why there's a reason why the Steelers didn't go out and, and and try to upgrade an edge, but they definitely wanted to upgrade on the defensive line, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and take nothing away from Wormley, right? I mean, I think he had a solid season. He had a lot of cleanup sacks last year. He he can be a quality player for this team, um, but I think he had the same number of pressures. So, you know, it's just a cleanup thing. Just a cleanup thing. I, again, I, I think. From a Highsmith perspective, I mean, you know, to say this another way, right? Yeah, Highsmith, this is one of those reasons why Highsmith was a little disappointing last year. Uh, and it's it's why I kind of, you know, I am kind of giving Highsmith the side eye as we get into this season of, okay, let, let's see if you can become, and again, it doesn't need to be premier. I'm not going to use the word premier pass rusher, but can he become a solid enough player alongside TJ Watt, a dependable enough player alongside TJ Watt um, that he can be a long-term starter for this team? Um. Let's see. Darwin here says Mitch didn't have weapons in Chicago and took them to the playoffs twice. I, I mean, it's a great point. It's a great point. Can Mitch, can Mitch just kind of be game manager guy that he was in Chicago? That Chicago team made the playoffs really on the backs of that defense. And Mitch and that offense doing, you know, enough to get them there. Now, the, the couple problems I have with this is that that NFC back then, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe that that was a very strong NFC back then. They, I mean, I know they had the Packers, but that was the end of the McCarthy era. Right, this is you know Mitch Trubisky making the playoffs kind of led to Matt Lafleur, you know, and the the start of that era. Right, um, I believe I have the timeline correct on that. But you know, am I going to sit here today and tell you that that Mitch Trubisky can't lead the Steelers to the playoffs? No, that's why I'm so excited. I mean, again, go back to what I said at the beginning of the show. I'm hyped to watch this team because I think this possibility, yeah, it, it definitely exists. Shock the world, shock the AFC North, you know. Finish second in the division, win the division. I, you know, if this if this defense goes back to where we think it can be, you're in a lot of games this year. You're in a lot of games. You can win a lot of games. Um, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna completely rule out this team from making the playoffs. Um, Darwin here again says the offense will shock teams. Don't know what to uh, will shock teams because they don't know what to expect. I, I am. It is it is an interesting part of this season, which is. Matt Canada really did have a blank slate coming in and how, how much different does he want it to be? I don't know that it's actually going to be that different. I mean, again, do you believe that this offense is going to be different fundamentally when it comes to its, its reliance or potentially over-reliance on short and quick passes? Because I still think that that's going to be a core tenant of what Matt Canada wants to do. Unless there's some new package that they didn't show at camp, they didn't show in preseason, and they're just waiting for week one to bring it out. And it's look, I'm not going to rule that out. I'm just saying, based on what I saw at camp, based on what we saw in preseason, a lot of the stuff that they're doing is similar. Now, they are certainly going to be using the middle of the field more. Trubisky is going to throw down the seams more often, right? He is going to be more willing to throw true dig routes over the middle of the field. Not just little slants. I mean, all of that's going to be true. But is that going to be more of a staple? Or is it still going to be, you know, again, just trying to get the ball out quick on, on speed outs and things like that? I think it's probably still going to be, I think it's probably going to be 
more similar than not. Let's put it that way, you know, to put it in silly academic terms. More similar than not to last year is how I would say. Um, George says, I've been predicting 11 and 6. Whoo, 11 and 6 would be two games better than last season. I would love it. In this AFC, in this AFC North, I mean, that's we're talking about competing for a division at 11 and 6. We're talking about not, you know, my whole prediction is I think the Steelers finished third in the division, and someone, one of the other teams in the division is is thinking about like how did we finish? How did we finish below a Steeler team without Ben Roethlisberger, right? It's post-Ben Roethlisberger era. Supposed to be the time where the rest of the division shines. Right? I mean, think about you think about how the rest of the division looks at the Steelers. Joe Burrow and that Bengals team, young core, they just made the, they just made it to the Super Bowl or plays away from winning. You think they're looking at the Steelers like they're a threat? They, I, I can tell you right now, they are not. You think about the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, contract year, that whole thing going on. You know, he's trying to prove that he deserves a fully guaranteed contract. It's an eight and three football team last year with all the injuries. They're getting guys back healthy, but they were eight and three a year ago with all the injuries. It really took Lamar going down and also playing the Steelers. Well, I want to point that out. Steelers started the loss, uh, the, the losing streak before Lamar got hurt. I want to point that out. Uh, but that was the eight three football team last year. You know, they were winning in silly ways, but they were winning. And now this year they're getting healthy. They feel like, you know, they're returning back to what made this team so great during that Lamar MVP season, which is more of that ground and pound style, the, 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 the two tight end sets and whatnot. You think, you think Baltimore Ravens, even though they've been swept by the Steelers twice, by the way, twice they've been swept by the Steelers now in the last two years. You think they're looking at the Steelers like a real threat in this AFC North? I can tell you right now. Ravens fans are not looking at the Steelers like a threat. They are absolutely not. And then that takes to the Cleveland Browns, who are, you know, I don't want to use uh, the D word when it comes to uh, how the Browns fans are thinking about this season, but they're getting close. Look, the Browns have, a, have an interesting year because they have to kind of thread the same needle the Steelers did last year, right? Which is quarterback with a bunch of limitations Defense that has to keep you in all the games. And if the opposing team scores 30, game over, right? But the difference for them is that they have to thread that needle, but there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Because if you can thread it, at the end, oh, we get Deshaun Watson. You know, Deshaun Watson being one of the best quarterbacks in the AFC. Now, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the game, really. Now, there's a question of, and I've had this I've had this discussion on, on AFC North Talk of, okay, you're going to get Deshaun Watson back, but you're going to get him like 11 games into a season when the team is already rolling. There's already reports being built. And then he's just going to got to get inserted in after not playing football for at that point, it will be what two, two and a half years since he's played a down a real down. I mean, he's got the, the two series he played or whatever in preseason. It's a weird one. But again, that Browns team now to go back to my point though, that Browns team though, feels like, I know a lot of you are going to laugh at this, but. This is, this is what I hear from Browns fans. They can win six or seven games with Jacoby Brissett. Five or six, I think. Five, or five six, seven, whatever, in that range. So about 11, 11 games of Jacoby Brissett, and they feel like they have a good enough football team to be six and five, seven and four, or, you know, five and six coming out of that stretch. And then they get, and then they get Watson back. Once again, I will ask you this. Do you think that team who feels like they can win five or six games or even seven games with Jacoby Brissett and then they get Watson back looks at the Steelers? with Mitch Trubisky as a threat in the AFC North? No, they do not. 
They do not. No one in the AFC North right now considers the Steelers a threat. They consider that this team is entering into quarterback hell. And that's what makes it so exciting for me. I go back to the original point here. When everyone else, when, when everyone else is saying the Steelers, yeah, the Steelers, uh, Steelers are done. They are done. Yep. Stick a fork in them. They're out. That's when this team, oh, that's when Tomlin always gets his teams to play above themselves. And I have no doubt. I have absolutely no doubt that Mike Tomlin will have this team playing above itself. I have no doubt this team is going to be very competitive, far more competitive in these games than people believe them to be. Uh, let's see. George says the Steelers are not going to fall behind this year. Going to go on long drives and score. This is, this is a great point. It's a huge point, And it's something I probably should have brought up. I appreciate you saying this, George, because it's, it, it's, it is something that has plagued this team for years, years going back to Randy Feekner. The Pittsburgh Steelers have been one of the worst first quarter offenses, first half offenses in the national football league. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I believe it was, and I, I think the numbers are even into this year. I think the Steelers were averaging something like two points in the first quarter of games. That goes all the way back. That goes all the way back to 2020, I believe. I mean, it's, it is horrifically bad, this team, in early in games. And it's something I've always said ever since they got Minka and this, and this defense got great. Which is why, how is it that you have a defense that is this good and they never get to play with a lead? That defense never gets... Ne it's How often... During the last three years, when they've had this defense, has that defense played up 10 points early, you know, up seven points early? I mean, how often is this team going down and scoring early in football games? It just doesn't happen. So, I mean, it's a great point. It's something the Steelers have to do this year is get out, get out, uh, get out fast, uh, start fast. I, again, you know, I just really, we're trusting in Mitch, huh? We're trusting in Mitch to put together them early drives. I, I hope. I mean, I, I hope you're right. I do think I do think one of the things with this offense, and we'll see when Calvin gets back, but they certainly are going to have the ability this year to be more explosive. Um, and that'll be huge. Because part of the problem for this team in, in years past has been that that lack of explosion meant that you have to do it the hard way. Right? Well, you're going to just go, especially when you consider, you know, Ben and his, you know, his um, unwillingness to throw the ball deep and over the middle of the field. And then Matt Canada and the way he designed that offense and Randy Feekner as well, right? I mean, it was all short passing game stuff, easy stuff, safe stuff. You're doing it the hard way, right? You're you're not going to get big chunks. We're not, not when I say big plays, by the way, I don't just mean like 80 yard touchdown. I mean, yeah, if George Pickens wants to go out there and score an 80 yard touchdown on the first play from scrimmage on Sunday, I'll be cool with that. But when I'm talking about big plays, I'm talking about 20 yard plays, chunk plays. How often did this team get chunk plays in years past? I think this team has to be more capable and will be more capable this year especially with that full complement at wide receiver. Deontay and Pickens on the outside, and then Claypool in the slot. Claypool's ability from the slot to make some big plays, to have to get chunks his way. You guys are talking me into this. You guys, uh, you guys are starting to talk me into this a little bit. All right. Luke says, excited to see play actions and Boston over the middle of the field again. I think the play action part of this is going to, is uh, certainly going to be a component. You know, it was just something Ben didn't like to do. It was it was a part of his game that he he didn't enjoy. And you know, what are Tomlin and Canada going to tell a you know an eight you know a guy's been in the league eighteen years? Like, guess what? You're going to run play action all the time now. I'll be interested to see because they now they did run more of it last year than in years past, but it wasn't by it wasn't by a significant margin, right? I think they were still lowest in the league. Where does that number get to this year? 
Um, State of the Steelers says, shouldn't the outside linebacker have more sacks than interior D lineman uh, that was highly rotational? I've questioned Highsmith all offseason. Okay, a couple things about Highsmith. I'd have to look the numbers up. I don't have them in front of me. I mean, I guess I could pull up the numbers here. Well, if you guys want to wait, but uh, Highsmith was hurt a lot. So I don't know this. this the snap counts would be interesting to see between Wormley and Highsmith. Uh, I mean, look, the sack number is, is a sack number. I'm more worried about the pressure number. And I mean, to the point in general, right? I mean, I, I think we're both in agreement that yeah, there, there are certain, I, I think it's, it's not a, it's not a foregone conclusion that Alex Highsmith becomes a, a quality edge rusher for this team. The, the kind that this team needs, if they want to go back to being a, a top defense in the league, not to say that, you know, Alex Highsmith is going to hold this team back. I'm not saying that, you know, they can't be top five if Alex Highsmith doesn't get to a certain level, but obviously this team's ability to play with a four-man rush and get and get consistent pressure is going to be a huge it is going to be a huge component and and if he is if he gets to a level if he gets to the level we're talking about well then I'm talking about, you're talking about four all four guys are dangerous more than TJ Watt the best pass rusher in the National Football League Cam Hayward who would be considered the best interior pass rusher in the National Football League if Aaron Donald weren't in the league you know he just happens to play with a generational player that sucks. Larry Ogunjobi, great pass rusher in his own right, and then Alex Highsmith. And again, if, if let me put it to you this way: if Highsmith can get to Ogunjobi level, Steelers are Steelers are cooking, cooking. Luke says, if Kenny Pickett is a real deal, we're going to be real good real soon. Yes, we are, and this is why I, I think you know we start talking about eleven. It's going to be eleven and five this year. They're going to win the division this year. They could be ten and six. Yada yada. In my eyes, like that, that's all that's all cake for me. That's that's all bonus for me. You know, 2022, at the end of the day, no matter what happens, no matter how good they are or how bad they are, it is a transitional period for this team. This is the transition. Because the Kenny Pickett era is coming, good or for good or bad. The Kenny Pickett era is coming. But with the Kenny Pickett era comes comes with it, if it works, okay, then they're then then they immediately just I mean, this is immediately a title contender. If, if Kenny Pickett, as a second-year player coming back next season, comes in and is as good as we think he can be based on what we saw in preseason, then we're, we're going to – the Steelers are going to essentially skip a step. They're going to go from – if I'm right, and they end up being like a middle-of-the-road type team, they're going to go right from that to bang contender. Well, I mean, okay, they got to fix the offensive line. But even still, you know, they're going to be very good because there is at no level on this offense – hurting for playmakers. They're at no level of this offense hurting for, well, but they need it. They need to solidify the running game or they need a tight end that they can use in the passing game. Or, you know, they got to figure out the slot. No, they have Deontay locked up. Pickens is here on a rookie deal. And so is Claypool. If, if, you know, the, the future is very, very bright for the Pittsburgh Steelers. If Kenny Pickett is anywhere close to what he looked like in preseason. Kenny Pickett's that guy. I don't care what happens in 22. 22 is like, like I said, just figure out which one of these guys on offense is the ones you want to build around. Fix the friggin' offensive line, please. And then we go right back to title contention. Guess what? The window shut for a year, right? The title, the title window shut for a year while Ben retired. And then it reopened right back with Kenny Pickett. That's why. And again, this goes back to my excitement. Like I think it's seven and 10 this year, but I don't really care because I know that on, you know, behind door number two, behind door number 20, 2023 is 
potential title contender again. Skip right, skip right over. All right, George says uh, Lamar is not getting better, uh, and the Steelers have figured out how to play him. The Steelers certainly have figured him out as far as um, you know, limiting him from having the the Lamar type games. Um, I mean, it's just been you look back at the history of that matchup. Yeah, Mike Tomlin, Keith Butler. You know that defense has done a great job of, of scheming around him and and making him look human. Certainly, um, and, and you know, by, and by the way, you know what's funny about that is that the stats haven't always been great. You know, you go go back and look at the 2020 matchup, the only one they played Lamar that year. It was in Baltimore. The Steelers gave up like 250 yards in that game. But I think that, you know, what 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 the Steelers know about Lamar Jackson is, you know, kind of what everybody talks about with Lamar. It's the reason why he can't win a playoff game is that, you know, you, you expose yourself to Lamar enough. Like, are you, sorry, you make Lamar try to beat you enough. Good things are probably going to end up happening to you. If you put Lamar in enough pressure situations, enough of those money downs, probably good things are going to happen for you, not for him. And that's just been the story of his career. I know I sound like a hater saying that, but like that's just been the truth. You know, you go, you go to that Buffalo game, that Buffalo playoff game that he lost. What was the storyline in that football game? Well, it was a really close, really tight game the entire way through. And who ended up making the biggest mistake of that football game? Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson made that. You know what I mean? Okay, that 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 game we talked about it was a 250 yard rushing performance. Who ends up making all the big mistakes of that football game? A very tight game, through and through. Who ends up making all the big mistakes in that football game? Lamar Jackson. Just been, it's just, you know. Now, as far as is he getting better, I do think he is getting better as a passer. But I think we, I, I do think it, I've said this all the time uh, back on AFC North Talk, right? The kind of, the, the kid glove nature that we treat Lamar with sometimes. He is getting better as a passer, but I don't like, I, I don't like this idea that like, oh, you know, he's, he's just as good as, you know, ex quarterback. Like, no, he's not. No, he's not. What makes him so good is his dynamism, right? He is a dynamic player. But if you took away his legs and you said, okay, drop back there and pass. Do, wait, are we going to like live in this fantasy land? We're like, oh yeah, he's a top five passer. No, wrong. He is not. He is not a top five. Passer. He's getting better. But what makes him good is the fact that he's a good enough thrower and he can run and you got to defend both at times or all the time. All right. Awesome stuff here. It says Watson looked like butt in preseason. Yes, he did. I enjoyed seeing that. Look, there's a rust factor there. Certainly. I would love, I would love if that is actually who Watson is. If somehow, some way he just massively regresses over the long term. Boy, would I love that. <laughs> I would love, I just don't, you know, once again, you know, we we start entering fantasy land with, with things like that, and we start saying, you know, he's never going to recover from that. I would love it. I just don't think it's realistic. I just don't think it's realistic. Um, awesome stuff here. It says, can't take Browns fans remotely <laughs> remotely serious. I, I think it's, you know, look, they're not completely wrong because the Steelers did it. You know, it's, look, well, I'm, okay, I know that sounds ridiculous, like comparing the Browns to the Steelers. But I, okay, let me back up for a second. <laughs> let me fix that statement. It is not impossible to do what the Browns are saying, what Browns fans are saying that they're going to do this year. It is not as though winning six games with the roster that they have is a, you know, is just absolutely 0% chance of that happening. There is a percentage chance. It is a non-zero chance of that happening. I, again, again, I just think that they are discounting how tough that's going to be 
and how the, you know, the quality of opponent that they are going to have outside of week four. And then, you know, they're going to be relying on, I mean, that defense to stop everybody. They, you know, they, they got to have that running game be on point. And even if all that's the case, you're still going to be playing in a game where at the end of the game, you know, five minutes to go, do I trust Jacoby Brissett? You know, I don't trust Mr. Trubisky. So do you think I trust Jacoby Brissett? Nope. Nope. All right, see what else we got here. Um, uh, Steve of the Sewer says, I don't know if you talked about this at the beginning of the show, but how concerned am I about Deontay's shoulder? We'll do a game preview tomorrow. I'm going to preview that game in depth, talk about all the matchups and, and the players that, that are going to play and not. The nice thing about doing this show on Friday, see, we do a preview show on Wednesday of AC North Talk, which is when the first practice report comes out. Now, in the National Football League, a lot of plays is dictated by who is available, right? Because, you know, we're talking about, you know, great players at certain positions missing games we can which can wildly change outcomes i want to wait till friday to do these previews because i want to know who's playing and not right man i want to see that final practice report then be able to get on here with you guys and talk about okay deontay is playing or deontay is not playing it's a big deal though not having look if the steelers do not have deontay johnson in this game it is a massive massive loss for this offense because it takes away one of the biggest mismatches the Steelers had when it came when it comes to their offense against the Bengals de defense. I thought playing Deontay on the outside and Pickens on the other and putting Claypool in the slot neutralizes one of the best players on the Bengals defense. And that's a player we all know and probably we all still, you know, some part like we love knowing it's Mike Hilton. <laughs> we love Mike Hilton. I love Mike Hilton for sure. And I hate the fact that he's on the Bengals. But his playmaking ability is, is unquestioned. His ability out there to be around the ball, to be that kind of playmaker, it's unquestioned. You put Chase Claypool out there alongside him. Okay, now we got now he's got a real problem because that is a massive size mismatch. Massive size mismatch. To the point where if the Stewards can exploit that and the Bengals have to kind of to counter it, their counter is likely going to be to go to Trey Flowers. That's what they did a year ago when they had bigger matchups and they needed someone you know who, who, had, uh, who had more size. Mike Hilton comes off the field. That's a massive advantage for the Steeler team. Mike Hilton, we, as we all know, he is a great player, especially around line of scrimmage, as disruptive as he can be as a blitzer in the run game, all of that. And if you get him off the field, that was what I thought one of the massive mismatches the Steelers could have created. And, you, and it, the trickle-down effect is if Deontay doesn't play, well, then Claypool probably goes to the outside, and now you put Gunner or Sims in. Unless you want to try and have some weird matchup where – Miles Boykin's going to play on the outside in certain sets, so you can move Claypool inside. But again, then you're you're you know you're you know you're playing yourself at some point. I mean, I think the Bengals would be happy if that happens. They go, yeah, you know, you want to take, you know, you, you want to not put your one of your better slot receivers on the field so that you can try to create this weird mismatch thing. Cool, like, yeah, have a Miles Boykin who's just you know, what are we what would we expect from you know we expect anything big from Boykin in that game? No, I mean, we're essentially playing down a receiver at some points. Humberto says Devin Bush will play better than last year, but he's not great. I, I think the 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 thing we're not talking enough about with Devin in, in the preseason is the fact that more often than not, he was at least in the right spot. And while it's a low bar, that's where we are with Devin. So, you know, if he's in the right spot, it's it's closer than he was <laughs> closer than he was a year ago. Um 
George says, I've been watching Steeler football for over 60 years. This may be the worst offensive line I've seen. I mean, it's okay. It's not good. But as I went, you know, again, I, I, I said this earlier on the show. Are we sure that that's not just kind of an, a, a, a reaction to how bad Dan Moore was, right? If you go back and watch those, if you have, if you have NFL Plus, go back and watch some of You can watch the shortcuts or whatever. Watch the offensive line. But don't, but just kind of ignore Dan Moore, right? You know, kind of, you got to put a, you got to put a piece of tape or something on your monitor. So you just can't, you block it out. Watch everyone else. I don't think it's that bad. I mean, look, it's still not a good offensive line. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say this, you know, outside of Dan Moore, they're really good. But outside of Dan Moore, they're serviceable. And that's why I think, you know, the Steelers could surprise people, especially on Sunday in this game. They can have some, some success potentially running away from Dan Moore. (laughs) Um. All right, what do we got here? Amos says, "I think Mitch will be better than most people think, provided the O line isn't absolutely horrendous." I mean, you know, again, if Mitch is to to another uh, listener's point earlier on the show, if Mitch is better than people think, it my whole theory on your how how does he do in, in those money situations won't necessarily matter as much, right? If Steelers are, are if he's getting on out to fast starts, Steelers are playing with leads. You know, they, they could potentially win pretty, as they say. You know, the old style points that Tomlin loves so much. Um, all right. Uh, we are over an hour here. Someone looks here and see if there are any more um, things we need to go over. I think we're good. All right. That'll do it for me today. Thank you all for watching and listening. Again, if you're watching this live, thank you all for watching. Leave a like on your way out. And if you're not subscribed to the channel, what are you doing? Subscribe to the channel. Be back tomorrow night to preview this game against Cincinnati Bengals. That game coming up Sunday at 1 o'clock. Also, want to let you know, you can find this show as an audio podcast, wherever you find podcasts, uh, if you wanted this, if you prefer it that way. And, of course, you can find this on YouTube, Steeler Country, with Tony Serino. All right. That's going to do it for me today. Be back tomorrow to preview Steelers-Bengals right here on Steeler Country.